Keep calm. In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers continue the conversation about becoming a person of peace. People of peace are people of freedom and unity. In today's conversation, the focus is on unity. Self-differentiation is about both individuality and community, autonomy and connection, being defined and connected. We want to remind you Faithwalking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us on the web at www.faithwalking.com where you will find more information about our Keep Calm weekly gatherings. Yeah, so uh, we've been working on this, this idea of becoming a person of peace now for several weeks uh, and, and looked at different indicators. And, and the, the talk today ties in with the talk yesterday. And Courtney, it's a beautiful segue into your conversation a while ago about the freedom uh, people's individual freedom, because so so the a person of peace is a shalom person, uh, and shalom carries with it the idea of wholeness. We are wholeness people. We are people that are for wholeness, and we are people that are restoring wholeness. And and shalom people, people of peace, are people of freedom and unity, and you cannot leave the and off. It's both and. And and the idea, and it's difficult to get our heads around it, because freedom and unity are in tension with one another. So it's like those are opposite extremes. Oh my gosh, I, I'm either I'm either doing whatever I want and not being connected with people, or I'm connected with people and I'm in unity and I'm giving up some of my freedom. And in faith walking, it's, it's where, I mean, more and more, it's, it's this connection of self-differentiation. So self-differentiation is about individuality and community. It's about autonomy, personal autonomy, and connection to others. And it's the both and. So last week, we, we looked quite a lot at freedom, and we talked about freedom and responsibility, and that those two go together. And today, we're going to, we're going to talk about unity. Uh, one of the, the ongoing challenges for me as I look at the life of Jesus is, okay, Jesus was for unity, and Jesus was a unifier, and yet... Jesus also made people mad and, uh, and so mad that they eventually wanted, not only wanted to put him to death, they did put him to death. So how is that unity? How is it unity when you make people so mad they want to kill you? And, and yet Jesus is for unity. And, uh, and it's, it's all of that. That, that I would like to talk about today. And I, I want to hold it up so the idea of shalom, the idea of peace and becoming a person of peace is a vision. And we're not there yet. Our current reality is tons of coercion and tons of fragmentation. But the vision is, is for unity and for peace and for wholeness to be restored. 
And one of the things that I'm reminded of as I study this is that we live in a world that is so filled with anger and with violence and with with countries fighting one another, with people fighting one another, that I think it's a challenge for us to even imagine that unity is possible. And so we get cynical about it, uh, we get resigned about it, or we even, we lose the vision. So our current reality is so far from that, that we, that we don't even, we, I, here, here's for me, we, I think I wonder sometimes, is this really possible? And yet, when I read scripture, when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus keeps holding that vision up and saying, this is the vision I want you to commit yourself to, and I want you to pursue. Um, Yeah, so I just want to acknowledge that our world is full of fragmentation and coercion, and Jesus calls us to unity and freedom, and, and, and so we're going to be swimming upstream. So how can we, many of us, are, are, are in denominations that are fighting right now? Well, how do, we, how do we take a stand for unity when everybody else is fighting and when they're mad at us for taking a stand for unity? <laughs> I mean, that, that's the overwhelming challenge. So, uh, I, I, and I also want to acknowledge this, that, that we resolve to be shalom people. We resolve to be people of unity and wholeness. Amen, right? And yet we resist it at the same time. So a good question for us to think about is, think about the ways that we resist wholeness and unity. Uh, that, we, that, we, that, we, that we continue, we perpetuate fragmentation. Uh, so trying to get my head around all this, and, and I think I've gained some clarity. I, I, here's, here's what I believe. I believe there are three things that we are enslaved to that prevent us from experiencing unity, that, that prevent us from experiencing shalom, prevent us from experiencing wholeness. And, and let, me, let me pause uh, before I get there. And uh, I, I should have started with this. So let me give you some scriptures to start. I know many of you like to uh, meditate on some scriptures, and I didn't give you these. So uh, read Ephesians 2, 12 to 22. And Isaiah 11, 6 to 8. And John 10, 15 and 16. And then just all of John 17, which is about unity, which is about Lord, may Jesus praying to the Father, Lord, may they be one as we are one. And then the, the final verse, uh, uh, Galatians 3, 28 and 29. And uh, that's that verse you're familiar with. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. Uh, 
I'm going to give you some other verses as we go through this. So, so I think there are, Kimberly, welcome. Good to see you, dear. Um, so I think, folks, that we are, we are enslaved to at least three things. So there's probably more things, but I know these three. And, and our, our being enslaved to those three things prevent us from experiencing unity and wholeness. The first one that I want to mention is greed. Greed keeps us from unity. Greed keeps us from wholeness. Well, what do, what do I mean? Well, the, the people or me, when I benefit from coercion and fragmentation, then I want to keep coercion and fragmentation in place. So when we think about injustice, if, if I am greedy and just want more for myself, then I don't care about you or I don't care about others or I, I don't care if my employees get paid enough or I don't care if the world is hungry. I, so I, I, when I'm greedy, I'm consumed with myself. And as Jesus talked about not being greedy, that's when people got offended. When Jesus turned the tables over at the temple, what was he doing? He was, he was saying that you are greedy and you are treating people unjustly. And that's what the problem is here. And, and the people got mad. And they were offended by him. So here's a couple more verses. Luke 19, 47 and 48 or Luke 7, 23 are are uh, places where people got offended at Jesus when Jesus took a stand for unity and wholeness. Uh, so, so unity is about justice and well-being for everybody, not just some. And that's why I think we, we become enslaved to greed. We, we become enslaved to debt. And, and our own debt keeps us enslaved and prevents us from pursuing unity and wholeness. The second thing that I think keeps us enslaved is, is anxiety and fear. Often when I bring up those words to people, they say, oh, I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> Which is such a joke, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but stop to consider what you're threatened by uh, and, and be honest about it. I'm threatened that there won't be enough. I'm threatened that I won't have enough. I'm threatened that someone's going to get my, whatever I do have. And so we live in fear and we react out of fear and out of our sense of threat, uh, we, we, uh, we, we, we try to protect what we have, and so there's no wholeness. I, I want to say also that when we change the dance of our relationships, so we talk about that a lot in faith walking, when, when, when I begin to become more self-differentiated and I change the dance of my relationships, that scares people. Oh, wait, I, it was really familiar the way you were dancing with me. And now you've changed the dance and, and it scares and, and that and out of their fear, 
they break the wholeness. Here's an example for you. Mark 5, 15. Jesus heals the man with called Legion who, who had multiple. So guess what? He was fragmented mentally. Uh, he had all these personalities going on in it. And, and it was such that he was ostracized from the community. He lived out in the cemetery or among the pigs or wherever he was. And, and he was ostracized. And, and yet the people were comfortable with the dance. Right? So, okay, well, that's, that's how he is. That's who he is. And Jesus encounters him and Jesus restores wholeness to this individual's life. And all the people from the town hear about it. They come out and see, and here's this man sitting, uh, in his right mind, completely whole, having a conversation with Jesus. And the scripture in, in Mark 5.15 says, and the people were afraid. Well, guess what? When, when real wholeness comes, it scares people because it's not the normal dance. The second reference in Luke was Luke 7.23. Um, so, so think about it. Wholeness frightens people who are comfortable with the brokenness. And, and that's why it's such a challenge. And, and I, I, I want to say this, and what I'm convinced of, folks, is that it's only as we grow in our emotional maturity that we're able to get to wholeness. So we wonder why, why is it that good Christian people stayed fragmented and disunified? Well, it's because they're not emotionally whole yet. And, and, and that keeps them broken. Third thing that we're enslaved to, I think, that prevents unity is our shame. When I've got to prove my worth, then I put others down. And, or when I have to prove my worth, when, when someone intimidates me uh, by their enoughness, uh, I react in, in ways that are disunifying or fragmenting. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I think shame is one of the places that binds us up. And I'm going to give you this, this scripture reference if you want it. Luke 4, 1 through 13 is the temptation of Jesus. And I thought about that this week. So go read the temptations of Jesus and see if the temptation is not about Jesus taking on some shame. If you're really God, you could do this. So you don't have to get your head around it today. You don't have to agree with me. I just want to wonder if that's not the temptation that, that he's trying. Now, I'm not saying Jesus had any shame. What I'm saying is the temptation was trying to get Jesus to give in to a shame voice. Okay. And here's what I believe. I, uh, I posted it yesterday online. As long as we're enslaved to greed, to fear, and to shame, there will be no unity.
So if I can grow in those areas. Now, here's the other thing. And y'all are going to think I've got a one-track mind. And I probably do. And it always goes here. Guess where we're going next? So what's the antidote for greed, fear, and shame? Other than Jesus. I know Jesus is always the answer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, unity and wholeness everywhere. Um, not just in the body of believers, but, but unity in the world. So I believe God wants unity in the world. Now it has to start somewhere. And, and so where does it start? I think unity starts in me. Is my life becoming less fragmented? So in faith walking, we talk about the secret self, the private self, and the public self. A am I increasingly becoming less three selves and more one self? I, I think would be the question. But but here's here's where my mind goes around this idea of okay, the antidote for dis for shame, greed, shame, and fear is a lifestyle of Sabbath. Because in Sabbath, I rest in God and in God's provision. So, so I give up being greedy because I, I, I recognize I have enough and there'll be enough tomorrow. I give up greed. I don't have to go get somebody else's enough because I have enough. And I give up shame because I recognize in Sabbath that I am enough. So this whole idea of resting in God's provision, and, and it, it helps us become more unified. Okay, I don't have to fight for more for myself. I don't have to protect what I have or try to get more. I, I, don't, I, don't, I'm, uh, I don't live with shame because through, through God's power and strength, I'm learning to overcome my shame voice. And therefore, I can be unified with you, even if you see things differently, because I know God's got me and God's providing. So three final thoughts, and I'm done here. Being a person of peace doesn't mean that everyone will be at peace with us. And I think that's the challenge. That's, I mean, it's, it, it, it sounds incongruent, right? Being a person of peace doesn't mean everyone will be at peace with us because not everyone was at peace with Jesus. Second thought, being a person of peace and being a peacemaker doesn't mean that I use coercion to force people into unity. Oh, well, you need to be unified. Come, you got, you got, I'm going to make you. Now we give up coercion. And so as Jesus's follower, I keep holding up the vision and saying, I realize current reality is nowhere near the vision, but there is this vision of restored wholeness. There is this vision of shalom. There's this vision of the kingdom coming on earth just as it is in heaven. And I keep holding up that vision and I keep pursuing that vision and I keep living and leaning in toward that vision in my own life, 
no matter what other people do or whatever they think or whatever they say. So, so I'm not in battle with them trying to get them to unite. I'm simply becoming more united within myself while also holding up the vision and saying, I believe this is what God calls us to. And I think in faith walking, one of the things I love about us is, and we give people the tools for how to move toward the unity that I believe God calls us to. So that's what I think. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Can I think two things? I think you're completely, um, absolutely right. And that resonates so much with me. Um, how do we in our churches um, combat the message, not combat, but how do we um, say the things that you just said about how God wants us to become more of ourselves and become the people that he created us to be, to become whole with people that have the narrative that, well, all you need is Jesus and now you're in the kingdom and you, you, know, you need to have your sins forgiven and everything is great and he'll do a work in you. And yeah. that's the end of the story. Yeah. What do you say? <laughs> well, I say lots of things, Jan. Uh, and, and by the way, and, and it's hard to convince anybody. So I don't think it's my role to convince them. Yeah. I wanna plant seeds. And, and so I plant the seed that I get that. Here's what I would say to you if, you if you were that person. I get that. And I mean, I really do because, because that's the story of my first formation. Right. That's exactly what I was taught. But in my own journey, and all I can speak for is me in my own journey, God, I, I believe God has said to me there, but there is more that, that you, you didn't quite that's not the whole story is just get out of hell and get into heaven and everything's okay. And, and what I'm increasingly being convinced of is that God invites us to partner with God, that God doesn't do it all for us. If, if he did the world, God could just snap his fingers and the world would be fine. Um, so it's impossible for me in a, in a five minute conversation to tell you everything that God has done in my life over the last 20 years to lead me to this place. But, but I, but I'm convinced it's true. And I just, I wonder if you would just be open to the fact that there might be something more God would want to sh to teach you. Just yeah. like I'm, a, I want to be open to the fact God. Yeah. And, and I know that doesn't do any good, Jan. It's just, it, it's, there's this um, group in our church that that's all they want to say. And they don't want to listen to anything else because that's psychology. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I mm -hmm. constantly find that in coaching that I keep saying that when you show up and do the work, then you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in you and you will be transformed. And, you know, you see it over right. and over again. And it's, right. it's both and kind of thing. The right. other thing, I'm, I'm, what you just said about Sabbath is in this book and unfettered by Mandy Smith. Have you read this one yet? I haven't. No. It's, it's, I'll write incredible. it down. It's, um, 
imagining a childlike faith beyond um, the baggage of Western culture. And it, it, it outlines how we can become more childlike, not childish. Right. Paul talks about, but childlike. And it echoes and uses different language than what you just said. But it, I'm, I'm only halfway through and I've underlined about half of it. And, um, it's, <laughs> I hear you. It's so good. And I think it, it just complements and it adds to what you just said about Sabbath. Yeah, good, good, Jan. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'd, I'd come back around and say, so those folks that want to argue with you, oh, it's too psychological. That's their fear. Yeah, I know. So they're they're still enslaved to. Yeah. So so when I'm when I when I'm when I close myself off to to whatever that that that's fear and anxiety and and it has me enslaved and I don't even know it has me enslaved. Right. And, and so the more I can be honest with myself and and it's why we ask that question. OK, what's the threat? What are you threatened by? Well, I'm not threatened by anything. Damn it. There's the word of God, you know, and, and we get mad. Yeah. No. I mean, what? So what's what's even that angry response about? You're threatened by something. Um. Uh, and, and could you just acknowledge, you know, and, and, and I know it doesn't work. I mean, because I have thousands of friends, literally all the people I knew grown up. I mean, they're, they're in that exact same place, which, which is why it's so important, folks. What you believe matters. What you believe shows up in the way you live. So, so the way I was raised in my first formation, I was raised in a way that get, get out, you know, get saved, get out of hell, let God do it all was, was the message. That was all the message. And then I was also raised on a heavy dose of, uh, premillennial dispensational in times theology, which is, you know, God's just going to blow this world up and all, all of that. And I don't believe in that theology anymore. So, but if I do, if I did, I, I understand why people see the world the way they do. You know, Ken, if I could add to greed and, 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 and uh, your list, speaking to Jan, I would say there's a, there's a, there's a laziness factor. As long as Jesus is going to do it all for us, I don't have to do the hard work. And it is hard work. It's hard as heck to heal right. and to grow and 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 really is it worth the effort if god's just gonna all do it for me yeah <laughs> so i would add laziness on that list <laughs> i like it so and and where my mind went with as you said that tammy was to the scripture work out your own salvation with fear and trembling well this is the working out of my salvation so so again, it comes back to justification, sanctification, you know, all those fancy theological words. Okay, yeah, uh, there might might have been a moment when I began to follow Jesus, but as I continue to follow Jesus, there's more work to do. It's a good word. Thank you. It seems like it's worth pointing out that, I mean, if God just we get saved and, and we're a new creation in Christ. 
But if that's the end of the story, then there wouldn't be as much dysfunction in the church. And you see people splintering <laughs> and you see this right. lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and so what you're saying really speaks to me and resonates with me. But I find myself, I, ha I find myself having to make myself be curious instead of <laughs> judgmental. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to, to, it's like, I, I mean, I guess. If you're okay, if that's enough for you, then, you know, then that's enough. <laughs> but yeah. there's sort of a logical fallacy, I guess, is my point in all of that. Right, right, for sure. And I want to say, and if I keep showing up in those places, so I stay connected, Jan, to, to the, I, keep, I keep coming to church with those same people, and, and I keep clearly defining myself. Well, this is what, and, and, and I keep telling my story. This is what, what's going on. And, and suddenly now there's three or four that it's not just my voice. Now it's three or four voices. Um, I, I think ultimately that might have an impact, but, but I think also, you know, every, everybody gets to choose for themselves and decide, you know what? No, I'm not going to do the work. I'm, I'm not going to ask the hard questions. I'm not going to think there's more once I've walked the aisle and given my heart to Jesus. And, and by the way, folks, I would say to you, and I'm convinced that's why we're in the problems we are in the world is because that's exactly what we've done. Oh, I, okay. I, I prayed the prayer and I go to church and that's all that matters. It, and yeah. And I, I mean, I could preach on this till the cows come home and I know I'm preaching to, to, yeah, I'm a country boy. I'm sorry. The, I use phrases like that. If I know people well and I'm telling them about faith walking, I say, I used to know a lot about the Bible and I still do, and I was saved, but I was still a jerk. And I sometimes use the word <laughs> asshole. Depends on the, you know, and I said, faith walking has taught me how not to be an asshole. You can say that in your church? I love it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can in church, but I do. <laughs> I have found myself using that terminology more and more as well. <laughs> the older is teaching me how not to be an asshole. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, again, I, I, I want to hold up the vision of, and so I'm only responsible for me. So I am growing in my own integrity and becoming, because I want to be more whole. And so becoming more whole within myself means I have to address and face and acknowledge my fears. And I have to address and face my, uh, my own greed and my own shame and my own laziness. And, but as I do that, God's alive and at work in my life. And it's, it's what I say all the time when we share transfer, transformation conversations. It's not me telling the story of what happened 50 years ago when I walked the aisle of my little Baptist church and gave my heart to Jesus. It's let me tell you what God's doing in my life today. I mean, today, God is making me more whole and, and I'm less of a jerk. I'm not going to use your other word here, but, uh, but that doesn't mean I don't use it. I do use that word. But yeah, I don't want to be a jerk. And, I, and, and, and that's the key. Yeah. What are y'all writing in the chat that I'm missing that y'all are all laughing at? I think you've got a whole new advertising campaign going here. 
<laughs> if you don't want to be a jerk, sign up for faith walking, but use Jan's language. <laughs> I was going to write back. Wouldn't you like to know, Ken, what we put in the chat? That's our little, wait a minute, you can see the chat. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Don't think I just have to open and look at it. Um, yeah. I was about to say the only reason I'm not or during this, you know, my previous less mature years, right? Like, the only reason I wasn't being a jerk is because I cared way too much what other people thought and I was giving away self like all the time. They come in all kinds, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking I probably am more of a jerk now with faith walking because yeah, to, to Angela's point, like I just don't care about what people think as much anymore. <laughs> So I guess there's an element of the people pleasing element that maybe maybe right. comes off as uh, but in actuality it's a much maybe more healthy response sometimes. Yeah, there's like a phase from like less uh, to, from like less passive aggressive, but then more aggressive. <laughs> and then we got to get mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. show up. You know? Yeah, I think that's a normal uh, process. Yeah. I have seen a picture of this this week um, in the dorm here with, with one of our residents. And he's a young man that has some mental health issues. He's, I believe he's high on the autism spectrum. His way of handling other people, and this is the perfect example of what we don't want, because he's insecure about himself and, and is not self-differentiated at all, is to be intimidating and aggressive, um, mm -hmm. to tell the jokes um, that other people will nervously laugh at, very dark humor. Um, and it, it's become a real problem because he is, he's frightened some of the other students in the dorm. Um, mm -hmm. I've never felt that I needed to lock my bedroom, my apartment door before, but this semester I feel like I have to lock my door when I go to bed mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I'm nervous about him and, and what he might do. But when I had an opportunity to talk to him after we had a horrendous situation on Saturday night, it was sad to hear him say that, that he uses this intimidation to make him feel better about himself, mm -hmm. um, that it makes him feel strong and in control. And, and it raises his adrenaline level, which then makes him feel good. Um, so we, we discussed other possibilities of how he might raise his adrenaline level in a healthy way that, that doesn't overstep boundaries. But what his, his behavior has done has broken any sense of unity and community we had in the dorm. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a graphic image of what you're talking about. It's very, it's so black and white here right now. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a really tough week. Um, but I also am, am so grateful to have had the opportunity to sit down and talk with him in a way because of faith walking. I mean, this sort of sounds like my video, but <laughs> in a way of, of faith walking that I wouldn't have had before faith walking because I could understand where he was coming from um, and, and address that in a way that I think he's beginning to hear. It's not going to be the last conversation, I'm sure, because these patterns in his life are well ingrained in him and and we need to, to care for him um, and help him as as Trish suggested to me the other day help him become his best self not the easiest um, self which is a, mm -hmm. what I think he's doing right now mm -hmm. yeah 
and unfortunately, folks, what I mean, we all know because we experience it inside the church, outside the church, there are lots of people that are not whole and that are not moving toward wholeness and that continue to create disunity, fragmentation. Uh, and and those are the people among whom we live. And so how do how do we stay? I mean, for me, groups like this one today are are not just a uh, a bonus or a blessing. They're a necessity to to come and be reminded with other people to say, yeah, this is what we're about, and 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 I'm not alone. There there are a handful of others that that want shalom to come, that want unity, that want wholeness, that want the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, and and I, I yeah I I'm just going to say this and and my vision and dream is and imagine as as this you know and we're not the we're we're not the only ones those of us that are here in this group but just imagine uh a, an ever increasing number of people being added to the community that are for shalom and for wholeness and are willing to do the work and say i want to grow within myself and 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 what i believe is most people don't know how broken they are they don't know within themselves how how little shalom they're experiencing and so therefore they don't know how to get it or even to want it and yeah so but but just imagine i mean i do believe I really believe this. I mean, I call me naive, call me idealistic. I believe we can change the world. But I also believe it's slow and it's hard and it starts in me. And and the and the trouble is uh I have a hard enough time changing me. I I can't think about, you know, changing the world. How to but hey, but God's at work in my life and uh and I hope change is coming and I hope he is changing me and I hope we together can ultimately change the communities we live in. There's a book I read for a book club I'm in by Rich Velotis. Um it was a wonderful book and one of the things uh, that was quoted is that you can't you can't give away what you don't have. Right. So if we don't have this mm. right, we can't we can't help others have it either. Right. That's a great word, Judith. You know, Ken, I'm reminded that so much of our life in the here and now is the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can work till the cows come home mm -hmm. and it ain't going to happen, but we're still supposed to work at it. Yeah. 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 That's it. And, and you're, and you're right. It's, it's, it's the not, it's the now and the not yet. Yeah. The kingdom has come. It's available. And yet it's not here. Well, how can it be both? Uh, yeah, I'm constantly challenged that by that. And um, and I want to say, and for much of my life, though, I was committed to Christ and I was doing 
what I thought were the right things to do. I, I wasn't really partnering with God much for the kingdom to come, you know, uh, as, as clearly as I am today, I think. And, and so for me, one of the beginning places is, is just the change of my mind, which is repentance. So the truth is, folks, a lot of folks need to repent, and it's not just the folks out of the church. A lot of the folks in the church need to repent. They need to change their mind. And my own mind was changed when I, when I realized that in the Lord's Prayer, he says, we're to pray, thy kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. And that God has a God's desire is for the kingdom to come in the here and now. Um, and and what would it look like if every Christian we know were about that? We're just about the kingdom coming in the here and now. Uh, which doesn't mean we can do it without God. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Uh, it 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 is the both and, which is why we say over and over and over again, we partner with God. God, God could do it without our help, but God chooses to, to, to do it, uh, to not do it without our help. I think we have a hard time learning to live with paradox that two opposite yeah. things are exactly true at the same time. The kingdom's here and the kingdom isn't yet, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and it's and it's the the paradox of uh, wholeness means freedom and unity. Well, how can it be both? Yeah, but it is. It's paradox. Yeah. <laughs> 